Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. Welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason from Schweitzer. We are so glad that you've joined us in worship today. Today we're gonna kick off a new sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. We're so glad that we have an opportunity to take a deep dive into the profound truths of the faith of what does it look like to follow after Christ. We're glad you've joined us for this experience. If you're new with us, worshiping with us for the first time, we wanna extend a special welcome to you. If you'll let us know you're here, we've got a Starbucks gift card that we'd like to send along to you. If you've been worshiping with us for a long time and wanna grow deeper in your faith, we'd encourage you to take a moment and go to schweitzer.church next. You'll find some groups that you can be a part of. You'll find some, some questions from the sermon that come from the sermon. There's all kinds of ways you can grow deeper in your faith. Just go to schweitzer.church next. Next up is Stephanie, who's gonna let us know what are some things that are happening at Schweitzer and how we can be a part. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Schweitzer is truly a church for all ages. And coming up this Wednesday, January 12th, we'll be starting back up our programs for fifth and sixth grade students, as well as our student ministries, worship and small groups for seventh through 12th graders. Both of these groups meet on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8.15. We also have two new studies starting on campus for adults, plus pickleball in the gym. You can find out about all of these opportunities at schweitzer.church groups or by downloading the Church Center app. We had the opportunity to hear some fantastic music over the Christmas season. And as you can tell, Schweitzer is full of people who love music. If you'd like to be a part of the music ministry as a singer or a musician, we'd love to have you. Or maybe you'd like to connect in as a part of our tech team who produce videos like this or work with lighting, slides, or even audio. We definitely have a place for you. And the new year is a fantastic time to find a new spot to serve in the church. You can find out more ways to serve and take your next step by checking out schweitzer.church next. Thanks, Stephanie. If you're worshiping live with us today, we encourage you to take a moment, say hello to the other people in the room. If you'd like prayer, there's somebody who would be happy to pray with you. Now, let's enter into worship with this song. Son not sparing 
time of prayer. I've been thinking about Psalm 23 and some of the lines that pop out of it that uh, have been speaking to me. Like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or, the Lord is my shepherd, of, of whom shall I be afraid? Or the Lord is my shepherd, he, he leads me in paths of righteousness. The Lord is my shepherd, he sets a table before me. And think about a number of those lines about how God is, is with us in all kinds of places all kinds of moments. And all of us at this moment in time, probably this past week, we've, we've been in lots of different places, situations. But God has been good. He's been alongside of us. He's been leading us. He's been speaking to us about the things that make us afraid and he's been calming us. So I think as we come to the time of prayer, how does the Lord's, the Lord is my shepherd speak to us? That's a call to trust him to trust everything that we have in Him. So I'd invite you to pray along with me through some of those lines. Kind Father, as we come to this day of worship, as we come before you in a quiet place, maybe with some others around us, would you remind us simply that you are our shepherd, that you never leave us, that you're alongside of us, that you're seeking to take us into some good places where there are green pastures. And that when there are moments in life where we go through difficult valleys, through rough waters, that you are the good shepherd that goes along with us.
Kind Father, you are our good shepherd. And in in the 23rd Psalm, we're reminded that you walk with us in all kinds of moments and all kinds of places. Through the green valleys and through the rough waters, you're alongside of us. So today, we look back over the past week or maybe the past year, and some of those things come to, to our minds. But amidst all of that, your presence, your guidance, your rod and your staff that comforts us, that leads us. Help us to see those things and to give you thanks. We rejoice in your presence alongside of us. Father, as not only we look back, but we look forward to what this week holds for us. Some of us will be in difficult places and difficult meetings, or we'll have to have some conversations that we aren't necessarily looking forward to. Some of us will find ourselves on the mountaintops and really rejoicing over the good things happening in life. Whether it's in difficult places or fantastic places, whatever, help, help us be reminded that you are always with us and that you're leading us, not only into those great places, but really you're leading us to yourself and you're working out in us your good salvation to make us more like Christ. And so for those moments ahead that we're anxious about, for those moments ahead that we have great anticipation for, for those moments ahead that we don't even know what's coming, Would you remind us moment by moment that you're with us, that you're working out your salvation in our life, in our church, in our community, in our world? Would you remind us that you're drawing us to yourself? And as we think about all that, we would be remiss, kind Father, in the midst of of a growing health crisis, right now, not to pray for those who are serving and working in the health field. Would you especially uphold our doctors, our nurses, healthcare providers? Would you give them an extra sense of energy? Would you give them an extra sense of peace and courage and pace? And when they're weak, be their strength, we pray. Take all of our other prayers too. Take all of our prayers. And hear them, we pray. And now let's pray together the prayer Jesus taught us. Say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to a time of worship of of giving, uh, we want to thank you for your generosity. It's made all kinds of ministry happen. And we're going to have an opportunity in in a moment to take a look at pictures and video from this past year to celebrate what God has been up to, um, things that have happened that we've been able to be a part of. One of the things that is really integral to all of these things is is this idea that 
we want to be people who are drawn closer to Christ and we want to help people encounter Christ. So let's take a look at what happened this past year and how we drew close to Christ. goal has been really, really simple. Um, we just wanted to point you to Jesus. In everything we're doing, we want to point you to Him because He is the source of joy. He is the source of contentment and peace, no matter what your life may look like. So through our songs, our prayers, our videos, this message, everything we want to do, we just want to point you to Him because He is the source of joy that you've been searching for. We just want to point you to Jesus because through Him, there is a tiding of great joy for everyone even you. Wow, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't it awesome to see what God has been up to and what He's invited us to be a part of? Your, your gifts, my gifts, the, all those things are taken into a God's economy and God does some incredible things with it. We're so grateful for your generous and faithful giving. We can continue to give today at Schweitzer.church give. And as we think about all that, we take these gifts and we commit them to the Lord and we just wait with the bated breath anticipation what is going to happen in the future. And, and we know that God has called us to some great things. One of the things He's called us to is to be Christ-centered and community-focused. And we rejoice in how that played out. We look forward to how it's going to continue to be that way in our midst in the future. So let's continue in worship. I believe in God, believe the, Father God Almighty, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of heaven and, earth. and in Jesus Christ, his, Jesus only, Christ, son, his only Son, our Lord, our Lord who, was who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, under Pontius Pilate was, crucified, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Well, welcome today. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Uh, my name is Spencer, and today we're going to start a new series um, on the Apostles' Creed. We're going to take the next eight weeks and work our way through the Apostles' Creed as we just ask a really simple question each week. We're going to ask two questions. We're going to ask, what is it that we believe and why? This is a great series. If you're somebody who uh, struggles with, with theology and doctrine and, and, and some of the ins and outs of what Christians believe, this is a great series for you. But really, this is a great series for for all of us, no matter how long you've been following Christ or not, great series for us because we're just going to be reminded of what is true, be reminded of the, of the gospel. There's this old adage, maybe you've heard it before, but it goes like this, um, that if you want to grow in Christ, you have to remain at the beginning. And what that means is this, that you never outgrow the gospel. Like there's, there's never a point in the Christian life where you need to master something beyond the gospel. Like there's nothing more advanced to get to. And so the Apostles' Creed is all about the gospel. It's this, it's this summary statement, the summary a document, summary creed that we all say and what we affirm of what is true about God, true about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so as we go through this, you know, we're going back to the beginning. We're remaining at the beginning. And this is really where growth takes place as we, as we think about the gospel and live into the gospel. So each week what we're going to do is just take a, a little bit of the Apostles' Creed, just kind of work our way through it line by line, phrase by phrase, thought by thought, and go through this to, to ask those two questions. What do we believe and why? And today as we start, we're not going to get very far. We're going to start at the very beginning, but we're only going to get two words in. The first two words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe. That's all we're doing. I believe. Now you say that three times in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, which is what we'll get next week. Is we'll talk about God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Um, we also say it in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. And I believe the Holy Spirit. Three times you say this. But, but what does this mean to believe? What does Christian faith look like? And so as we say what we, what is, you know, we believe, we say this, this line about having faith, like what does that, what does that look like? What does that mean? Which, which might sound like a really simple question. But oh my goodness, I've known too many people who get this question wrong and then miss out on so much of what God has for them. I've known so many people, too many people who think that what the Christian life is about is about doctrine and theology. And so they may get all the right marks in terms of uh, orthodox theology, but they miss out on a lived relationship with Jesus Christ. Or, or other people who, who think that what it means to believe, to have Christian faith, is just that we believe that God exists, or we believe that Jesus exists, and that's kind of, kind of it. That's where it stops. Maybe they say a sinner's prayer at some point in their life, but they never move past that. They never move on with that. They never move to, uh, to the rest of the gospel, the whole life that God has for us. Or, or other people might have a lot of questions or doubts about uh, Christian theology, and they may not really understand things, and they have a lot of these questions, and, and, and maybe they've been told somewhere along the line that what Christian faith means is that you have blind faith or unwavering faith, and they think to themselves, well, there's no room at the table for me because I've got these questions and these doubts, but that's not really what it means to have Christian faith. And so today we're going to wrestle through this. What does it mean to have Christian faith? What does it mean to believe in, in the gospel? What does this, what does this mean for us? And so as we go through this, great place to start is the Bible. Like, what does the Bible teach us about what it means to have faith? And one of the best places to go in the Bible for this question is Hebrews chapter 11, which gives us a great definition of faith. And then it goes on to give example after example of what faith looks like. So here's Hebrews 11. Here's how it starts. Um, verse one goes like this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So right off the bat, we get this great definition of faith. And you can see that faith is tied to hope and that faith is tied to conviction. 
And we said this is a great definition. It's really helpful to see. This is what biblical faith, according to the Bible, this is what faith is. But what's more helpful is that if you keep reading through Hebrews 11, what you see is just example after example after example of what does this faith look like in action. So we're going to keep reading through here. This is long. It's 40 verses. We're not going to read all of it for the sake of time. We're going to, we're going to cut this up a little bit. But I want to read enough of this that, that we all understand and can grasp and get just how biblical faith is, is presented here and what it means to have uh, faith according to the Bible. So let's read some more of this as we get these examples of, of people who lived by this kind of faith of Hebrews 11. So verse 3, the next verse, keeps going. It says this, By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen is not made out of what was uh, visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And so as we move through here, we start to see what biblical faith looks like because we see these examples of people who made, made some practical decisions in their life, like Noah. What does Noah do? Practical decision. By faith, he builds an ark. Practical, practical thing that he does. Let's keep reading some more here. Verse 8. Let's talk about Abraham. So verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been look, thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's skip ahead to verse 24 and talk about Moses. So verse 24 says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people uh, passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell 
after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, uh, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then we skip to verse 35, and we're going to see some people who are not named, but who lived by faith. And it says this, um, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, we're talking about persecution here, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. And these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us. So only together with us would they be made perfect. So Hebrews 11, it's so helpful. It gives us this definition of faith and then example after example after example of people who lived by faith. And it's so helpful because as you look at these examples, you see this, this great picture of what faith is and also what faith uh, isn't. Because as you read through Hebrews 11 and you, and you read about what faith is, you, you discover that according to the Bible, what faith is, 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 is that it's not doctrine. Faith is not about understanding all of the different theologies and how you can explain it and how you can understand these, these things that, that sometimes are just mysterious. That's not what faith is. Faith is, is also not just a belief in Jesus where you say a sinner's prayer and you call that good. That's not what faith is, not according to the Bible. Or, or faith is also not just this, this blind faith that some people talk about where you have no questions and no unwavering, uh, just, just wa- unwavering uh, faith. That's not what you see either because some of these people you, you see here as examples were people who had a lot of questions. Uh, go read Exodus chapter three. Moses, when he's called by God, he did not have unwavering faith. He did not have like blind faith. That's not, that's not what we see. Instead, as we read through Hebrews 11, we see that according to the Bible, what faith is, what biblical faith is, is that biblical faith is a way of life. Biblical faith are the practical choices that you and I make every single day to to live according to what God has. It, It shows up, biblical faith, it shows up in all kinds of practical, real life situations. That's what biblical faith is. It's a way of life. It shows up in in real life situations. It shows up when we face adversity. Biblical faith shows up when we have stress and and, and trouble and trials. And how do we go about facing that kind of adversity and that kind of stress? That's when biblical faith shows up. Biblical faith shows up in how we treat people, especially people who have harmed us or or hurt us or, or people we need to forgive. It shows up in people we disagree with. How do we treat those kinds of people? Biblical faith, it shows up in how we go about our, our marriages or, or how we treat our singleness and do we follow God's ways. It shows up in, in how we uh, deal with our resources and our money. It shows up in all these practical, practical ways we, we navigate our life, we make decisions, we, we have relationships. Biblical faith is, is not about doctrine. It's, it's not about blind faith. It's not about just believing God exists. It is, it is about a way of life. This is why a lot of people, when they talk about faith, they use another word. And, and a lot of times when people talk about faith, they, they use the word trust. That, that what it means to believe as a Christian is that we trust God. And so I think about the Apostles' Creed. We have this, this phrase we say, I believe. And we say it three times. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it's not so much that we're saying a statement about theology, like, 
I believe these certain things about God and I can explain the Trinity and I understand how Jesus is both God and man. That's not what we're saying when we say, I believe these things, but rather what we're saying is that I trust these things. I trust God the Father Almighty. I trust Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord. I trust the Holy Spirit. And this trust, it shows up at how I actually live my life and go about my decisions and treat people and how I deal with resources and all of these things that go about my life. That's where biblical faith shows up. This reminds me of what we read in another place in the Bible that also talks about faith, James uh, chapter 2. In James chapter 2, verse 14, this is what, what we read about faith. Again, listen to how this is described according to the Bible. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Let me say that differently. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says they believe in God, if someone comes to church, if someone says that they've prayed a sinner's prayer, if someone says that they have this kind of faith, but it doesn't make any difference in their life. What good is that? He keeps going, James keeps going. He says, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister was without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And James goes on and says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. What we see here, again, is that biblical faith, it is a way of life. It is a way of life. When, when we begin to trust God with our life and begin to follow him and serve him and give ourselves to him, this is what biblical faith is. It shows up. In the, in the actual decisions and actions of our life. It's not so much that we just say we believe something, it's the way that we begin to actually live. And so as Hebrews 11 said, this is the kind of faith that the ancients were commended for. Not the kind of faith that's all about doctrine and theology or just blind faith and wavering faith, we can explain everything. That's not what the ancients were commended for. They were commended for the kind of faith that took God at his word that believed and trusted him when there was uh, circumstances that were difficult and that put their faith in action in order to follow what God had for them. That's biblical faith. It's a, it's a way of life that we see. But let's be honest. It is really, really, really easy to be a Christian, and to go to church and to do Christian things and to read Christian books and to listen to Christian music and to listen to sermons and, and then um, go on with my life as if, as if none of those things and none of the things we say we believe really matter. It's really easy to go through the motions of this. It's really easy to say, I believe in God. I'm going to follow him. I'm, I, I believe that he exists. I believe that Jesus is his son. But then live my life as if none of that is actually true. And so I think about sometimes how in church we say these things like, I believe God the Father Almighty. I believe, you know, in Jesus Christ. I believe these kinds of things. We make these statements about what we believe to be true, but then when it comes down to it, you have to start to wonder, well, do we really believe this? Because what do our lives reflect? You know, for instance, Jesus said things like, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. A really practical thing, like how we deal with our resources. And if we say we believe in Jesus, we have to listen to these kinds of things he said, and we have to wonder, okay, if Jesus said this, and we say we believe in him, well, what do we demonstrate? So do we, do we give like he says we should? Do we tithe? 
Do we trust him with this part of our life? Or Jesus said things like, do not worry about your life. So when you face stress and adversity, do you tend to bottle that up and live with it and keep that stress and anxiety over you and dwell on all of the what ifs and the things that could go wrong? Or do you cast your cares upon the Lord as the Bible teaches, Jesus teaches us to do? Or Jesus, again, we say we believe in him, but, but he says things like to love your enemies. So we wonder, okay, how do you treat people who you disagree with? People who have hurt you, people who have harmed you, do you forgive people or do you hold on to that bitterness because it's too scary to, to forgive? Like this is the, the dilemma that we're faced with is, is do, we, do we put our faith in action in the ways that we actually live our lives? This is what biblical faith is. Think about it like this. Have you ever been to the top of a really tall building like the Empire State Building or maybe like the St. Louis Arch? And you go up to those, those really tall buildings and you, and you got this lookout and, and there's always some crazy person who like has no fear of heights and they're just looking over the edge. And that's definitely not me. I don't know how you are, but I'm the guy who's way more like, I'm going to hang out on the, on, the, on the backside of this and I'm going to get a good view, but I'm not going to look over the edge. And the reason I get a little uneasy when I get on those really tall buildings or, or, or um, tall cliffs or whatever that might be, like, the reason I get a little uneasy is because I have this really deep faith um, in gravity. And that's not to say that I understand gravity. Like, I can't explain to you the math and the equations behind gravity. I don't get how all of it works. I don't really quite understand the theory behind it in the deep way, like the stars and the planet. I don't really get how all of that works. Um, but, but I know that, that um, there are practical decisions that I make in my life every single day because of this deep, abiding faith in gravity. And, and, and this is how biblical faith works, too. It's not enough that we just say that we believe certain things. It's that we also live into them. We, we, we demonstrate the actions that we, that we have, the, by the, this faith we have and the actions we have. We, we demonstrate what we say we believe, how we actually trust God. And, and this is what biblical faith is. It's, it's, a, it's a way of life. And so this is why when Jesus says things like, it's better to give than it is to receive, or do not worry about your life, or uh, to, for, to, to love your enemies. This is not just things that we read on a page and we say we believe in him. These are things that we actually start to live into because we trust in Jesus. This is the kind of faith that the ancients were commended for. And this is, as we see, biblical faith is that when we start to trust God with this, and this is the kind of faith that makes all the difference. Several years ago, I, I did a funeral for a friend of mine uh, named Sam. Sam was in his early to mid-40s and um, he, he died of cancer after a, a pretty lengthy battle and um, left behind a, a wife and two teenage sons. Really tragic story. Um, Sam was a member of our church and um, Sam was this, this person of faith. I mean, he was a follower of Jesus. No question, uh, no question about it. In fact, the, the day he got diagnosed uh, with cancer, he came to the church in order to pray. That's the kind of person he was. Uh, but, but as Sam went through this battle with cancer, there was this transformation that took place within him where, where faith became something that was, that was deeper than, than what he'd experienced before. In fact, Sam had this line, he used to say it all the time. He would say, um, you don't have faith until you have to. He, just, he would tell me that all the time. You, you don't have faith until you have to. And, and what he had discovered, of course, was that it's, faith is not just you know, the prayers that I pray. It's not just me going to church. It's not just uh, what, I, what I think about. It's, it's really the ways that I live. And it's, it's the ways that I trust God, especially when life gets out of control, like, like what happens with, with, a, with a terminal disease, like, like his cancer diagnosis. And so he had this line. I, I, 
you know, you don't have, you don't, you don't have faith until you, you have to. And that's probably a line that I will remember the rest of my life. Because as I, as I think about Sam and I think about what biblical faith is, I, I can't help but read in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, these example after example, and not think about Sam. Because he is a man who demonstrated to me, this is what biblical faith looks like. I don't have control of the situation. I have all kinds of questions. There's fear wrapped up into this. And yet I'm going to choose to trust God. In fact, at Sam's uh, funeral, he wanted me to read from Proverbs chapter three, which is this great line about biblical faith. And in Proverbs three, uh, five and six, very, very famously, it just says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That's biblical faith. I'm gonna trust God with absolutely everything I have. That's what biblical faith is. It's a way of life which really brings us to the heart of the matter today. Because as you think about what biblical faith is, that it's that I trust God with my life. It's not just these things that I say I believe, not just these confessions I make. It's not just theology, but it's actually how I trust God with my real life. A question comes up of like, well, how do I, how do I get that kind of faith? How do I have that kind of faith? How do I learn how to trust God with all of these things in my life that are happening? Because here's the truth about trusting God is that it's really scary. It is scary to trust God with your life. It's scary to trust God with your future. It's scary to trust God with your relationships because what it means is that I have to let go of what I want. It means that I've got to submit things to what God wants instead of how I want to run my life. It means that I've got to make different choices, different decisions. It it means that I have to take God at his word and actually live into what he says. Like it's a scary thing to to say that I trust God. So how how do you learn to do this? How do you learn how to trust God? And so, I'm going to give you a secret to this. Here's a, a, a practical, practical, practical thing. of how do, you, how do you learn how to trust God? You might want to write this down, the secret about how you learn how to trust God. Here it is. Here's how you learn how to trust God. You learn how to trust God with your life. Ready? By trusting God with your life. That's how you learn it. It's a mystery. You learn how to trust God with your life by trusting God with your life. This is how this works. Is that, is that when you take a step of trust, you don't know how it's gonna work out. That's what makes it trust. You're trusting that God is gonna take care of you, but you, you know, you, you're, you're giving up control. You're giving up your desire. You're giving up your ambition, your agenda here, and you're trusting that God is gonna take care of you, that God is gonna provide for you. So every step of trust that you take in whatever area of life it might be, what you discover is that when I take that step of trust, I discover that God is trustworthy. And so therefore, I I can take another step of trust. And when I take another step of trust, again, it's gonna be scary. It's gonna demand things from me. It's gonna be difficult. But every step of trust I take, again, it's like, oh my goodness, I discover again that God is trustworthy. This is how this works. We grow in trust when we trust God because what we discover is is that the Lord is trustworthy. And so we can, we can believe in him. We can trust in him. We can put our future in him because he won't let us down. This is the, the paradox of how this works. Like we grow in the certainty of the gospel when we begin to trust it. I think this is why Jesus talked about how faith is like a mustard seed because you don't have to have everything figured out. It's not about having all of the explanations and having everything straight in your head. It's really just about taking a step of trust to say, I don't know entirely how this is going to go, but I'm going to trust that you are right. I'm going to trust God that you are telling the truth and that you are trustworthy. And so I'm going to put my life in your hands. This is the step of trust. And so when I think about the Apostles' Creed, 
this document, this, this statement of what we believe, what Christians in all places, at all times, across history, across languages, across cultures have said, this is what's true. This is not a statement about theology and doctrine and about how all these things work. That's not primarily what this is about. What this is primarily about is a statement of trust, that I am going to trust God the Father Almighty, that I am going to trust Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, that I am going to trust the Holy Spirit and that I'm going to put my life in their hands. Which, of course, raises the question of what kind of step of trust might God be calling you to take? Because as we learn to trust Him more, learn to put this biblical faith in action, this way of life in action, I just I wonder what kind of trust, what kind of step by, of trust might you need to take? Maybe it's a simple step of trust, maybe the first step of trust, just to cross the line of faith to begin with. Maybe you're someone who's been on the, on the sidelines waiting and watching and waiting and not quite sure what you believe about these kinds of things, but maybe what you need to do is to put your life in God's hands with a simple prayer of, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin and lead my life. It's crossing that step of faith, crossing that line of faith that, that says, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to trust that, that the Lord is going to lead my life, that he's going to forgive me my sins. And I just need to for, receive that into my life. Or maybe it's a trust, a step of trust, a step of faith to say, you know what, God, I'm going to take you at your word. There's a relationship. There's a person I need to forgive that I've been holding on to. There's resources that I've been holding to myself that I need to give them away. There's, there's people I need to serve. There's people I need to share the gospel with. There's, there's folks I need to reach out to. Like I need, I need to volunteer in the church. Like there's all these kinds of ways I need to take a step of trust to say, I, I know that you've been stirring me towards this. I just, I need to trust you with it. There's an actual step I need to take in my life. Or maybe you're facing something that's scary something that keeps you up at night, relationship, health, something else altogether. And, and, and instead of holding on to that anxiety and worry, maybe, maybe you need to let that go. As, as the Lord says, to cast your cares on Him. I, I don't know what this might look for you, but, but I wonder what kind of step of trust, step of faith might you need to take? Because biblical faith, it's not about doctrine. It's not about theology. It's not about having all the answers. It's not about having blind faith. What it's really about is trusting God with our life. It's about a way of life that shows up in every decision, in our relationships, and how we deal with our future, and how we deal with our stress, how we deal with our shame, our sin, all kinds of ways it shows up in every decision of our life. And so today, as we, as we wrap this up, um, we're gonna say a prayer together like we normally do. Um, and then on the other side of this prayer, I'm gonna invite you, um, wherever you may be today, maybe you're by yourself, maybe with others, and I just wanna invite you to affirm with me the words of the Apostles' Creed. And we're going to say this together, and I encourage you even to say this out loud because the Apostles' Creed, this is not just a statement of what we think to be true about God, but really this is a statement of, I'm going to trust God the Father. I'm going to trust Jesus' Son. I'm going to trust His Holy Spirit. So let's pray together, and then we'll say the Creed. And so God, today we give you thanks uh, that you welcome us, always you welcome us into relationship with you. And you want to walk with us and to lead us and to be the Lord of our life. And so God, today uh, we do confess that so often we don't trust you. We run our lives on our own agendas. We hold on to our hurts. We don't follow you in the way that you, you call us to. And God, today we ask you for forgiveness. Instead, Lord, we wanna have a Hebrews 11 kind of faith, the kind of faith that trusts you no matter what it is that we're facing in practical ways in our lives, we can trust you for everything. And God, I, I pray that you might stir in our hearts these, these areas of life that we might need to take a step of trust, to, to trust you, to put our faith in you, to follow you, and to, and, to, and to rely on you. And as we take each step, we know that we just discover that you are that trustworthy. 
And for anyone who's with us today who wants to cross this line of faith, maybe they just want to finally believe and put their faith in you fully, we just want to join together a simple prayer of, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin? And would you lead my life? God, you are so good to us and you are trustworthy in every area of our life. And so God, we look to you. And knowing that you are trustworthy, we want to join our voices together in the Apostles' Creed, what all Christians in all places at all times have believed, as we say together these words, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thanks for joining us in worship today. Hope you've been blessed. We're especially thankful to all the people who helped put this together, Stephanie and the worship team, the folks behind the camera, Alec and Taylor and Sydney. Especially thanks to Spencer for sharing that opening sermon on the Apostles' Creed. We look forward to having you join us next week when we hear part two. It's an eight-week series, so it's going to be an awesome series. If you've been encouraged by the sermon or you've been encouraged by other aspects of our worship today, we'd, we'd love it if you'd share this on social media. Encourage those around you. Let us be people who encourage one another. We're so glad you've joined us today. We look forward to seeing you soon and seeing you next week. God bless. Have a great week. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry? Then north and south and east and west We'd hear Christ be magnified And were the whole earth echoing His eminence His name would burst from sea and sky From We'd hear Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified altar of my life Christ be magnified in me when every creature finds its inmost melody and every human heart is native cry in the world 
My song will be 